everyone, welcome back to another episode of College and Career Coffee Chats with your host, Delicia Alarcón, your resident hypea and grad school fairy godmother with some cafecito. Always. I hope you grab your café, your water, your tea, your lleva mate, your wine, if it's after hours, to listen in on this conversation about college and career, following your bliss, figuring out what you want to do in life, eliminating the gatekeeping and the fancy big words that we use in higher education and corporate settings to really gatekeep first-gen and BIPOC individuals. So I hope this podcast serves as a space where you feel heard, seen, and safe to have all these conversations and ask all the hard questions and the big questions. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the College and Career Coffee Chat. Today, I have an awesome guest. Her name is Paulia D. Williams, and she is calling in from South Carolina. How are you today? I am great. Um, Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. When we spoke a few weeks ago, um, I was like, is this going to be the recording? So I'm happy to be with you. Yes. So I'm going to introduce her so you guys understand the context of who she is and what she's all about and what she's going to chat to us uh, today. So she's currently serving as an educational talent search or ETS college advisor for TRIO programs at the University of South Carolina. As an ETS college advisor for TRIO programs, Paulia coordinates successful outreach for three Title I middle schools in the Richmond, or no, Richland One School District. Her students can learn about college success, financial literacy aid, and cultural life skills exposure as part of the ETS uh, design. As a proud first-generation college student, Paulia is a graduate of Spartanburg Methodist College, the University of South Carolina, and Columbia College of South Carolina. She is delighted to be able to use her talents and skills at her alma mater. Paulia resides in Columbia, South Carolina with her husband, Dinetric. I hope Denitric. I said his name. Dinetric. <laughs> okay. I was like, it's either Dinetric or Dinetric. So... Perfect. So before we dive into all this good conversation, I want to cheers today. I have tea today and she has water to kind of uh, start our conversation. So cheers. Yay. So if you're listening in, make sure you have your coffee, your tea, your water, whatever you need um, today to listen in. And as of kind of the first um, question, uh, I think that your shirt says a lot wearing trio to represent, uh, especially we're filming this um, and recording during first generation week and celebration. It was yes, or not yesterday, Sunday, uh, November 8th to represent first generation. So kind of let's start there, right? As a celebration and representation of our first gen people how do you define first gen outside of this context of textbook and how maybe the government defines it? How do you define it for yourself and for your students? You know, I've been thinking about that for a while now, and, it, and it's so hard because you hear so many definitions. Um, one of our students um, we were just talking to a few days ago, and she was like, I don't think I'm first generation because my mom um, has a degree from a technical institution. And so I want to say it's an ever-growing word. 
Um, I think the connotation is changing um, as we get more data from students who are first generation. But also, I just want to say first generation means first to do everything. Mm -hmm. And um, really, you're either setting a role model for siblings or younger cousins. And, you know, your parents are there hopefully supporting you on the way. And they're just hoping um, that you can be better in life than they were able to be in the standards of education and those things. So you kind of feel like you're, you have everybody on your, your shoulders. You're, you're doing this one thing for everybody. So I think that pretty much defines first generation first to do everything, but also you're a little nervous that you might let somebody down along the way because <laughs> no one has four path before in your family except you. Right, so you're kind of this trailblazer, but also trying to figure everything out on your own to make sure that you're either doing it right or you're doing what you want to do, but also make your family uh, proud in a way because they're navigating this path with you along the way. Uh, are there any other ways that your students kind of define first gen from your experiences uh, advising them and supporting them in middle school and high school um, through the uh, program that you're a part of? You know, I think sometimes the students, which is a good thing, um, they're so academically gifted, they have no clue that they aren't first generation. Mm -hmm. And with programs around like TRIO and AVID and all of these eMERGE type programs for gifted and talented students, I think some of them are so academically gifted that they never realize that they are first gen. So I think that's always a plus. So they kind of look at it as though it's a superpower um, mm -hmm. versus when people think about imposter syndrome and those things. Right, right. So they're kind of focused on their academics and may not really understand that intersection of their identity just yet. Um, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about your journey to discovering and maybe learning about being first gen? Because I think, like you mentioned earlier, uh, some students don't know uh, because they're maybe focused on academics or they're just living their life, right? So um, can you talk to us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, sure. Um, when I think about it, um, I just know that my dad went to high school for 12 years and my mom told me later on in life that he was one credit short of graduating from high school. But he says, hey, I've been doing this forever. Um, it Usually um, he and his family, they would go out and they would work in like the cotton mills of my hometown. And so then my mom graduated from high school and then I think she went on to get a certification at a technical school. So at that point, I didn't think I was first gen. I didn't click the X's and all those things that I now know that I should have because the new definition tells us that I'm considered first gen. But I think back to um, high school, I was super involved. Um, I love to do things outside of my academics, but still kept my grades pretty well. And I'm from a super small town, so it was easy to get involved. You walk down the street, you know everyone's name. Those <laughs> Type of places it's like Mayberry or any other small town that you've maybe seen depicted on television and <laughs> I can remember senior year um, I went and I took all the um, tests that I should have taken ACT SAT I written different scholarship applications applied to three or four schools and then all of a sudden you know I'm on cloud nine because it's senior year but I realized I got waitlisted at all of those institutions except for two one of them was in my hometown 
and it's a satellite or system campus of the University of South Carolina. And I said, hey, Paulia, you are not staying in your hometown. This is not what we're doing. And so the only school that I got fully admitted to um, was Spartanburg Methodist College. And um, I think that probably was the best place for me. Um, my teachers knew that I could do the collegiate level work, but my test scores said, hey, you cannot do collegiate level work mm -hmm. and you can't be competitive um, with our admissions process. So I'm like, oh my goodness. So I was a bit discouraged, but I went to Spartanburg Methodist College and kind of, I really made the best of it. And I realized now in hindsight, that's where I should have been. Um, I went through there and then I later transferred to um, the University of South Carolina. And I was like, hey, I either want to go to Winthrop or I want to go to the University of South Carolina. Winthrop waitlisted me all those years ago. And I still remembered that. So I was like, I, I'm not going to Winthrop because I will not be second best. That was my mindset. <laughs> but, you know, now that I work at USC, I realized even though all these things seemed like denial at that time, I was where I'm supposed to be because I probably wouldn't even be working at the university um, if that was the case. And then I never thought about um, graduate school beforehand. Um, I knew I was going to be a reporter. Um, that did not work out. I remember sending out so many applications and those things and did not get hired. So I went back to my alma mater and started um, as an administrative assistant um, with a lot of coordinator roles and, and then just kind of worked my way up from there. And I said, hey, if I'm in higher ed, mm -hmm. I need a degree to be competitive. So that's kind of how I segue, that's like 10 years of my life. That's been the last 10 years of my life. <laughs> Getting denied and waitlisted. And then, you know, being a transfer student, people kind of like, it's like first gen and transfer. They kind of go hand in hand almost um, because you're still like doing something that's very different and not as traditional as what your, your peers are doing who are not first gen. So I think mm -hmm. I learned a lot throughout that process and I tell my students now to this day, if you could take the technical route or the community college route, you're going to save yourself and your parents mm -hmm. a lot of money. And I look at my student loan debt in comparison to the national average, and it's way below. So I'm thankful that I went to those places, but I'm glad I know what I know now because I can share my personal story to my students and they can be like, okay, if Mrs. Williams is here talking before me, she made it no matter <laughs> what her scores were or where she started because I always believe it's not where you, where you start, it's kind of where you finish and how you finish and if you're going to be resilient through that process. Absolutely. It's a matter of uh, figuring out what is best for you as a student, as an individual. And I love this conversation around demystifying technical schools and community colleges, because like you said, you can save so much money and it might be a clearer path for you because if you don't know your major or what you want to do exactly, community college gives you the opportunity to really kind of sample programs, sample classes and figure out what that is. Um, and I think that's a great opportunity for students who may not know right out the bat, they want to be a chemist or a doctor <laughs> or a psychologist or whatever that have like clear linear paths. Well, not really clear, but um, kind of like, you know, what is first, what is second, what is third, right? Um, in a way. Um, so how did you kind of navigate accepting maybe that you were going to take a non-traditional path, but is becoming a little bit more traditional nowadays with 
college being so expensive, uh, people are choosing technical and community college as a first step. So how did you navigate maybe those internal feelings as a student? I can remember I was a little sad. Um, two of my best friends were going through to Winthrop. I really wanted to be there with them. Um, I remember um, I was in a cotillion in high school. And so, you know, you have to put all that information in those books because it's your debut into society and mm. everybody to know what you're doing. Um, I had always been the girl at church and I always got those compliments. Oh, you, you're like the best speaker. We love to hear you talk about all those things. So I was like, how does this person um, that everybody, you know, continuously gives compliments and praise to kind of, kind of let everybody down and go somewhere completely different. So I ensured, I told everyone, which I did, I had an academic scholarship. I paid nothing out of pocket. I had um, merit scholarships for activities that I had done in high school. They still did a yearbook there. And I had been yearbook editor twice <laughs> between and high school. So they gave me money for that. And when I got there and I just realized how much the community and the staff cared for you and I learned about all those resources, I kind of like really like gave myself a pep talk. My parents were only 30 minutes away. So um, I had mm. to come to church every Sunday. So everybody <laughs> knew uh, <laughs> that um, I was keeping up. I was doing well. They always do this thing at my church where they share your grades um, each. Wow. So every time like a quarter or a semester or whatever is up, they read out your grades in front of the church. And so I was still making those stellar grades. But at that time, I couldn't, I didn't understand the importance and how the test scores made you so much more competitive because I was like, I can do this work, but clearly I didn't score well. And I would hear my friends saying, Hey, I got a this or this. And I was like, I didn't, I got a, well, I, we're not going to say what I got. So <laughs> um, I finally realized like, this is where I should be. I instantly made like a group of friends and, and, and it was just a lot of fun at SMC. So um, right. I really, even though it's not what I initially wanted, it's the path that I should be taking. Right, right. And for anyone listening, um, we did say Polly is living in the South. So she lives in South Carolina. She grew up in South Carolina. And a lot of her experiences, I can really understand because I taught in South Carolina and a lot of my students um, kind of represent it, represent her story as well. So I just love when we connected because I could truly understand what she was saying because I had that experience of living. I lived in Somerville, South Carolina, but uh, I taught Spanish in Cross, South Carolina, which is a very similar community as to what you're sharing. Um, so a lot of what you're saying is a lot of what my students kind of lived through as well. So I love that um, connection from your experiences. And how did you decide what program you wanted to major in for um, your master's program and kind of stay in higher education and kind of go that path? Um, what did you major in? And how did you decide kind of this uh, higher education path? You know, I, I say this to my students now, because I have to make sure um, I like your word, demystify, um, that they have more than five majors. I feel like um, parents of our first-generation students, yes. they have to know that there's more than nursing, business, um, maybe like another caveat of business, accounting, all those different things. And so um, I knew, I think higher ed found me. A lot of people um, say, like, I knew what 
I, like I knew I wanted to get an Ahisa program or a HIA program or those things, but I, I did not know at all because I did not even know that existed. I just knew when I was at SMC and when I was at USC, I remember Kim Day. I remember Lisa Gerald. I realized Kim Day now is a student um, activities director. So I was like, oh, that, like, that's a higher ed job. I could see myself mm. doing that. I worked in another office and I realized um, one of my mentors, Lisa Gerald, I was like, oh, she's a student ombudsman for a major university. I was like, they're like the liaison between students and those things. So um, my two years working on campus um, in the visitor center and coordinating visits for prospective students, I mm. got to see a lot about enrollment management at that point. And I was like, do I see myself in enrollment management or what um, focus area do I want to be in? So that's how I found higher ed. And I was like, I like this. I was like, I really like having the touch points with students because at that time um, I managed um, what was called a group of student ambassadors. They were the tour guides. Mm. Um, they prepped for our tours. I was a tour guide in undergrad, so I already had a, like, a good base knowledge of those things. But I just realized all the stuff I wanted to do in undergrad, like, translated into a real career. I was like, this is a career? <laughs> like, all my friends were like, oh, I'm a, like, they were again, I'm a business major girl, or, oh, I'm doing library science, or I'm a music major. I was like, no, I, there's a career out here for someone like me who doesn't do math, who loves to talk, um, who has this base knowledge of, like, how to get enrolled into a college and how to persist um, throughout and obtain a degree. I was like, this is a job y'all like this. <laughs> and everybody was like, okay, girl, but you like just finished school. So maybe about four years after undergrad, I was like, Oh, I have to go back again. And it was kind of difficult because I thought I would continue um, my um, journey in communication since I was a broadcast journalism major in undergrad and I took about two or three communications classes on a master's level before I started taking a higher ed trends class with the vice mm -hmm. president of the university and then taking a media law class, excuse me, not a media law class, a higher ed law class. And after I took those two classes as a non-degree seeking student, so it took me probably about a year to figure this out. Right. I was like, okay, now it's time to go back to grad school full time. And I did um, an accelerated program with Columbia College, right across town from the University of South Carolina, because we could do everything on Saturdays. I sat in class all day Saturday, all day Sunday. We had all these assignments. Um, I remember having friends' weddings and baby showers to attend, and I was like, I can't do any of that. I will be in class every Saturday of the month, and everybody would be like, what are you doing? Trying to get a graduate degree you guys never thought I needed or wanted one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I love that a, a, a degree or not a degree, but like a, a job that you don't need, really need to do math. Because um, we don't do math on this podcast. Like <laughs> We talk, that's what we're doing, right? Um, so that's kind of a, a great example as for students listening, right? If your parents are kind of pushing you to do maybe finance or um, business and accounting or like doctor or engineering. And those are things that really don't uh, resonate with you. There are other opportunities out there. Um, so that's kind of one of the values of this podcast is I wanted to share people's stories. So they can connect with everyone and see, oh, wow, they're doing something different outside of maybe what is a traditional career and you're successful. So it's something that uh, I'm super appreciative of. 
Um, and along that journey, you mentioned at the beginning about imposter syndrome. So I kind of want to bring that up to uh, open the conversation around uh, how does that show up for you as a student or as an undergrad in, in undergrad um, and now in the workforce? How does that show up for you and how do you navigate that? Well, I could say at the community college, it didn't feel a lot different um, than my high school because it was so small. Um, we all had those connections. You couldn't really see like a lot of differences. But when I went to <laughs> USC, I was in a parking garage and all the cars were like luxury cars. And I was like, am I parking beside like a, a Land Rover, a Beamer or all? And I was like, okay. So that was the number one different thing. Um, number two, that was different. I always thought the collegiate experience from what I had seen from my cousins and what from I had seen on television, you live in the dorms when you're on campus. When you go to USC and you're an upperclassman, you live in an apartment. So number one, mm -hmm. I was a junior living in a freshman dorm. Mm -hmm. Talking about sticking out like a sore thumb, that was odd. And not only that, um, I had joined <clears throat> University Ambassadors. I had given tours at the community college. And I was like, okay, I can do this here at USC, no big deal. And um, I really liked the tour guide that I had. He was from a small town. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna meet my tour guide again. And I came on, I was like, hi, Zach, like I took your tour. <laughs> like, hey girl, everybody's taking my tour. You know, at that point I didn't know he was like a celebrity to me. And um, <laughs> when I went in there, they would ask me, they would ask questions. Like I remember I served my first year. It was fine. We would always have these Wednesday night meetings, but also, it's like our first Wednesday night meeting coming back from summer. And there was an email that went out to us that said, hey, please share pictures of your summer vacations and what you have done. And I was like, like people vacation in the summer? Like literally like I'm from the South. We go to Myrtle Beach. That, that's a vacation. <laughs> we go to Charleston. Um, that's a vacation. But these people were going like to do international travel. And in my summers, I worked at Piggly Wiggly, which was like my first job. And that, that's a grocery store here. And <laughs> I worked at the new Super Walmart. And I was like, am I supposed to send in like me pictures in my uniform? <laughs> like, oh my God. And I kind of like, I would just sit in the meetings. They're just like, Polly, what did you do this summer? I worked. They're just like, oh, I went to Spain with my family and we stayed there for a month. And I was like, what in the, you know people do this? It's like, you got a passport? You got on a plane? Oh my God. I was like, this is, this is insane. And so I was just taking it all in and I was like, oh, like, like, like you're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. Like this is, these are not people that you were normally with. So that's how I, I saw it the most. Like I, I could always compete, like if it was in some leadership role or any other thing, but when it came to talking about like socially what your family does for fun or like vacations and things you do um, for leisure. Um, the mm -hmm. things we were doing were not the same. So that's, that's kind of how I felt it the most. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of see it a little bit in my um, professional career as well, because as soon as I join like a professional organization or something, I'm the type of person who likes to go in observe see what's going on like see who has this role what is everyone good at before I kind of like dive in but I think right. in most they people think that if you are going to join something like you have to automatically be like that um I guess this 
extrovert and that's not me. Right. And like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. And people seldom ask, they're just like, are you joking? Or are like, we can't tell. And so I have like a very unique sense of humor sometimes. So it's hard to like catch on to because it's like, like a sarcasm and funny, but I, I see that in my professional life and it's like, is she serious? And I know um, just yesterday someone asked me, like, are you comfortable being the MC for this event? And I was like, girl, I was a broadcast journalism major. I've spoken church my entire life. Like this is nothing. But because I'm usually so quiet in those meetings, sometimes I think you get underestimated. So mm -hmm. that's sometimes I think I kind of my observant ways kind of make mm -hmm. me um, be a little bit underestimated sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone has their own way of processing and communicating <laughs> like what's going on. Um, I love how you talk about your experiences as a tour guide or a tour ambassador, like getting the job on campus. So you're familiar with the different offices and the different people as a form of um, advocacy for yourself, right? You can learn who is in the office and how can they support you through any questions you may have. Um, so learning all of these things that you have in your experiences, what is one, one or two things that you would tell your younger self um, about your whole collegiate and work experience that you wish you had known? I, I think I would have to say, like, Polia, do not be intimidated mm. um, because of others' experiences. Um, if I would have known what I know now, I would have talked to my peers about um, their international travel or them studying abroad and kind of asking, like, what, what are you gaining from this? Because mm -hmm. now I just realized it's exposure and it, you're learning other cultures and those things. And at that time, I just saw it as, like, a divide, like, I don't live their life. They don't live my life. They don't know how I live. And they would just ask like random questions and stuff. And I kind of wish I would have been a little bit more extroverted um, and kind of just ask those questions and talk to them because I kind of saw them as an enemy because I was intimidated. And that's mm. not, and, and I think I could have gotten a lot further within the organization if I was a little bit more confident and who I was, and I was comfortable sharing like Paulia to everyone because I was like, oh, only a few select of my like peers get to see like the real me and the other me, they get to see like the professional. She comes in, she does her shift and she leaves out. So right. just being a more confident and, and not allowing the experiences of others to be intimidating, but just learning from their experiences. What did you do there? Or how mm -hmm. was your flight? Those simple things. Right, like um, learn, leaning into learning more about what they have to say or learn from their experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with maybe living in a smaller town versus um, going to Columbia, which is a little bit bigger, and then that attracting maybe people who live in New York City or like bigger uh, cities in the area. And I noticed that a lot with my students too, like since they grew up in Cross, and they maybe haven't been to Charleston or have don't have a passport or haven't been on a plane. When I would talk about my experiences of travel, because I studied abroad in undergrad, they would be like, oh, my God, and kind of shut down in a way. But hope and I and I tried to like demystify that again and be like, well, look, if you're interested in learning Spanish or going abroad, like how can we um, present it in a way that's not intimidating um, as a teacher? No, I, I completely agree with you there. And, and that's one thing that I would totally tell myself because I think back on 
those different situations and like I'm still Facebook friends or Instagram friends with those people. And so it's like the trajectory of our lives is is pretty much going the same way. But I wish I would have gotten to know um, a lot. Like I still have two best friends from that organization, but I wish I would have gotten to know a lot of those people a lot better. Absolutely. So what are some nuggets of um, wisdom that you would like to share with uh, students who are looking to go to college and those who are in college now? Okay, as for those students who are looking to go to college, um, I'm always doing a fit lesson. I think just last week, like I worked with the Upward Bound students on the weekend, and I kind of wanted to talk about collegiate fit to them because Everybody doesn't want to go to a large state institution. Mm -hmm. Some people want medium-sized institutions. Some people want to go to an institution that has like specific beliefs, if it's private or religious. I think I just want the students to know that there are different opportunities that fit your needs. You don't have to do what your friends are doing because at that time, when I, I think about myself um, preparing to go to college, I thought I had to do what my friends were doing, but it's good to forge your own path. And if you constantly like go to these places with your friends all the time, um, I think it's hard for you to grow as an individual. So find your fit and don't mm -hmm. be afraid to forge on a journey that's different than others. And for the students in college, ask for help like literally there are so many resources on campus there's a student success center the career center um the writing center like if you um are lacking in one area i can assure you one of these different offices has a student or a staff member that is there to help you and don't be embarrassed because you were the big fish in the small pond in your high school institution. Just get out there and ask questions. Absolutely. I love those two um, kind of pieces of advice. Number one, right, for high school students is there are institutions that are going to match your need. You don't have to go as specifically that uh, what your school is maybe wanting you to go to or your friends. It's a matter of you doing your research to figure out okay, which one works for you? Which one are you going to like? And which one can you afford? And then ask for help, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. we're so scared to ask for help as first gen because we don't want to sound like we don't know what we're doing or <laughs> we are intimidated by the people on campus. And I think that's why I love TRIO so much is because it's so welcoming and you don't feel like an imposter. You don't feel like maybe a dumb, like you're asking a dumb question and that you belong at these institutions. No, and I, I totally agree. And I think what's nice is, um, for TRIO students, when they're um, going to college, they're going to have that community within a community. So that's always helpful to have that affinity group because no one else knows what you're going through unless it's another person that has a similar story or a similar experience to you. So having that smaller community is definitely helpful for those students. Absolutely. So if you're in high school, look out for an upward bound program. If you're in college, a TRIO student support services program and some institutions have McNair, which helps students apply to grad school and pay for the GREs or the LSATs and help you through that whole process. So if you're listening in and you're not sure if your school has a program that can support you, I'm sure they have an equity or diversity and inclusion space or a student success program that's going to help you and point you into the right direction. No, I totally agree. That's great advice. Yes. 
So are there any other uh, pieces that you would want your stu students or anyone listening in to know about um, your experience of living in the South, being first gen and getting a master's degree um, to kind of uh, wrap up this conversation? Um, I think I was in a PD the other day and it kind of took us back on a journey um, between wealth and equality between different races and ethnic groups. So I think I would have to say, um, knowing that the odds were against a person like me, a black woman, I mm -hmm. just, I just think back to how proud I am to be where I am currently. Um, I used to be very hard on myself. Paulia, you didn't mm -hmm. achieve this goal. Paulia, you didn't achieve that goal, but it's okay because I just have a list of things that I want to do. And if I don't get to them within the time that I allotted for myself, then it's okay. So I would say, give yourself some grace and mm. celebrate the wins. I love that. Give yourself grace and celebrate your wins. We have to celebrate the wins, right? Because um, if we're focusing so much on like, oh, you could have done this or like criticizing ourselves, then we can easily spiral. No, I, I agree. And with the time right now, like COVID, you don't have as much, you know, interaction with your friends and those things. So you're kind of like isolated a bit. Just give, give yourself some grace. It's okay. Like things are going to get better. It won't always be this way. And I know those things sound cliche, but I guarantee that is currently my life where I am right now. So yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Give yourself grace, give yourself time and space and things will fall into place. Things will work out. Thank you so much, Paulia, for joining me today. I loved our chat. Um, if you want to learn more about her, I will link all her contact information um, in the uh, show notes and also um, on the website. So if you have any questions and you're in South Carolina or, or at USC, uh, make sure you connect with Paulia. She's a great resource and advocate. Thank you so much for having me, Delicia. I'm so glad that I found you in that empowering group. Um, I love chat. I feel like you're like an old friend now. So I feel like we have to <laughs> <laughs> but yes yes we'll come back for a part two <laughs> yes i love it <laughs> awesome thank you bye-bye make sure you all listen in for the uh next episodes coming up until the next time well there you have it my friends that is the episode of college and career coffee chats make sure you rate review subscribe like share tell your friends tell your dogs tell your family Tell your coworkers, tell your colleagues, your mentors, anyone you think would find value in this episode and this podcast. And I hope you follow me on Instagram at Delicia D. Alarcon, on TikTok, TikTok Career Coach for some dancing, some free resources on YouTube at Deli Lingo Academy. And you can always check out the website for updates, DeliciaAlarcon.com, for coaching, support, VIP days, mini courses, free resources and guides. Everything's on the website, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And make sure you join the free Facebook group where we will do trainings and hype each other up in the college and career hype crew on Facebook. All the links are down below. Let me know if you have any questions, concerns, and anything specific you want us to talk about on this podcast, any feedback you have, I'm always here to listen and learn. So until next time, my friends, cheers. See you in the next episode. Ciao.